Chiefs newest acquisitions are in town and had some interesting things to say today. What is the future for Juwan Taylor, particularly today on Locked On Chiefs? From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. This is Locked On Chiefs, part of the Locked On podcast network your team every day we're brought to you today by nissan this episode and all of them are brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 nissan aria that is the nissan the ev that people love to drive that's what you want to check it out over at nissanusa.com thanks for making us your first lesson check out another listen on the lockdown network because we are everywhere you can subscribe for free over on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get the latest episode as soon as it's available we have a lot to cover today and it is the first appearances for the newest chief sign of free agency in charles amenahue and juan taylor taylor in particular piqued my interest as to what's going on and then the vacuum that is the wide receivers we're going to cover how do they get something done Coming up later, we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes' restructure and how they got some cap back. And then, you know, were the Chiefs really right about their offers to Orlando Brown? I think inquiring minds feel very, very satisfied with the way that this went down. I'm Ryan Tracy from Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, home of the Athletic Matrix, where you can pre-order right now at rogueapc.com, as well as NFL 33 for all your draft needs and RGR football. And I'm Chris Clark thank, uh, from Chiefs. Sorry, not Chiefs. I just Chiefs Corner. I apologize. Yeah, thank you, Matt. You got you on my mind because I saw some of what you were tweeting today about the about different things. Uh, quite funny how everything worked out with Orlando Brown, and we will be talking about that later. But you start looking at what we're looking at right now. Charles Minihu actually talked to the media today. So did Jawan Taylor. Both of them had some good things to say. They, they did. In, in particular, there's a clip that I actually felt set me a little bit more at ease. Now, everybody can spin what they want to spin the way they want to spin it, but it comes down to what you're able to do as an athlete. And there's been a lot of question, and and I still perceive that this tackle position is not necessarily set in stone, but you're looking for a guy to come in with confidence and be able to do what the team needs him to do. Much, much different than when we saw Orlando Brown join this team, right? So I think we should hear from Juwan and what he had to say about where he's going to play. Uh, you know, left tackle, right tackle, just a flip of the hips, honestly. Um, other than that, if, if you're athletic enough and you trust your feet and, uh, you know, you, you got great coaching as well, which I know that's here, uh, I feel like the, the transition would be pretty good. That says a lot. I mean, calling out Andy Heck, that's, that's a good way to get yourself in the room there, Juwan. Well done. But I think this comes back to an old conversation um, that I had with Mitch Schwartz a couple of years ago, honestly, in the preamble to Orlando Brown joining the team as well. Um, and it is, in Mitch's words, just to paraphrase, I can't remember exactly what the comment was, but Mitch said that it, it is a significant change. There's just some guys that feel comfortable doing it and some guys that don't. And clearly, this comment, this 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 self of self-ease came across to me today from Jawan Taylor that if he's asked to play left, doesn't seem to bother him in the slightest to go over there, and he knows he's going to get the support he needs from the staff in making that transition. The thing I find interesting about that is it's if he's asked to play left. Uh, words are everything when you start talking about how all this is going to play out and, and everything else. And I still think and maybe they're not in, involved in trying to trade for uh, Laramie Tunsil anymore in, from the Texans. Maybe they're just looking at going and getting a, a tackle in the draft. Maybe that's what they're doing. But the way he said it makes me think that it's not 100% that he's going to be the left tackle. I expect that he probably will be. 
uh, as of right now, but I don't know that that's as set in stone as some people might think it is. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it allows them uh, in their draft philosophy to stick with best player available, maybe go reach up, grab a guy that you have a good grade on if he falls. I think it just leaves uh, viable room for Brett Veach in the front office to make their decision based on what the coaching staff sees as well to kind of play by the way the draft falls. And I think that's a good place to be because in the end, uh, Juwan's going to cost a, a pretty penny. Were you to acquire another tackle that's already a veteran, that's another sizable investment. So whether it's this season, next season, there is a left tackle in the future that is going to be a draft pick. There's no way around it, at least to be a swing tackle. And so I, I wonder if they don't, if this doesn't take the pressure off of limiting what their, their draft selection can be. Definitely could. And uh, Pono asked a question in the chat. What makes me so confident in Taylor? His stats weren't great in Jacksonville. I, I would kind of disagree. I know he gave up five sacks, uh, but 16 pressures in 17 games is really, really good. Uh, that is a situation where he's going against Kansas City twice. They got two sacks on him. Philadelphia got two sacks on him. Uh, and I'm not sure where the third sack came in, but not giving up the pressure is a huge key. And when you look at what Orlando Brown was doing with 48 pressures allowed, I think, or was it 58? It was one of those two. And I apologize. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I'm going to present that the, right here. You can throw it on the screen if you like. Oh, uh, there you go. The the amount of pressure that is allowed is going to be a bigger deal. So I think there you go. And so, and just to follow up on what you're saying, it is the second lowest pressure percent in the league last year. And that's, that's significant. So PFF actually has a slightly elevated from that. I believe it was, it was 16 in the regular season. Um, chargers got a little bit after him. He did give up four pressures. They were all hurries, but 21 on the season, but that's on, you know, going all the way up to the, uh, divisional playoff level. So obviously met Kansas city there and didn't, didn't quite get it done. But here's the significant thing. When you take a look at it, you see progression because he came in, didn't play. Uh, actually that was a pretty good total. Didn't play as much as he played in 2022, but came in, allowed uh, 41 pressures. It went up the second season to 58, then came down to 34. And last season, including playoff runs, was only 21, 16 in the regular season. That is significant progression. And if we go and we look at Orlando, oh, that's Mike Dana. Hold on one second. Because well, the other, thing I want, the other thing I want to say really quick is the thing that really sticks out to me is tackles usually you find out what they're doing in their third or fourth year. He continued to get better every single year, and that is what is the big deal to me. Uh, if you got Orlando Brown up, he's got an extra year, uh, obviously, from Baltimore. Uh, but he was regressing in some ways. And mm -hmm. he was when he was in Baltimore, he was playing in a run-oriented offense. In Kansas City, that is not going to be the case. Juwan was playing in an offense that is much more like Kansas City's offense, and I think that that's going to translate very well. And relatively, what you see here, the same progression. Obviously, Orlando's a little bit older. But uh, total pressure is 18, 21, 28. Then comes to Kansas City, jumps up to 45, nearly doubling. And then it went up another 25% to nearly 60 pressures allowed this last season. That means that Jamal allowed a quarter of what Orlando Brown gave up. And that's the significance. Um, Juwan, yes, he started yes. out. I'm sorry, Juwan, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to switch Taylor and Juwan around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine it all. Uh, don't take it personally, Juwan. 
th there's a lot there. But the key thing for me is that you're seeing progression in the positive sense, not regression that we saw from Orlando Brown. We're going to talk about him later in the third segment. But first, we have to get to what's the hole right now? What's the position we thought they would make some noise at that they've actually lost ground in in this free agency period? That's coming up next. We're going to talk about some wide receivers right after this. The Built Bar March Madness Bracket is here. We know that you have a favorite Built Bar or Puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know you'll be voting for the Chocolate Brownie Chunk. That's my favorite. Uh, and if you want the Chiefs to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or Puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or Puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one locked-on fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. you got to try Built. They're the best protein bar ever. What makes Built bars and puffs so good? Well, for starters, they're all in high, high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. It is real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote each and every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. Support your pick where you can. Uh, you might remember there's a basketball tournament going on right now. Support your people, folks. That's all I'm going to say. But I will say this as well. Uh, there are a lot of things going on. We are a mile a minute using some of the short content we're putting together for you. Chris is doing a great job with those. We're going to have bonus episodes when it's necessary. But in order to get all that and know exactly what's going on as soon as it happens, you got to go subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to the podcast. That's how you get the latest episode as soon as it's available. So go get sub now. We are five days a week. Let's not forget that too. And next, what we have to discuss is, are you at a panic level about the wide receiver group? That's my question to you. Getting closer. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys that I was hoping in Kansas City would take a look at is Darius Slayton. He just literally signed with the New York Giants uh, a couple hours before recording this on Thursday night. So the... Wide receivers that are out there are getting, excuse me, I apologize, few and far between, and that's a problem. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could possibly bring McCall Hardman back. The market doesn't seem like it's been there for him. But the problem <laughs> with doing with doing that is you're in a situation where you know what you had in McCall. Is he going to be able to elevate, which is what you're really trying to do? He was never going – he never got to a point where Juju was with almost a 1,000 yards receiving that's what you need in this offense. That's what you're going to need to replace. You're you're looking for a one. You're looking for a one that everybody else can stem off of. And, and I concur with that. I will say this too. Juan Thornhill's coming after McColl pretty hard. Uh, Juan wants more guys to go become Browns. Well, hey, if you choose to do that, I don't know, Juan. That, that contract doesn't look like it was that great. That might have been a, a decision you're going to want back there, brother. But uh, Well, I, really quick, and that's actually what makes me that made me laugh about Matt Derrick earlier. He actually talked about Juan's contract. And – uh, 40, 42% of Juan's contract is in the void year in 2026. And they're doing that because they're paying Deshaun Watson the guaranteed money that they are. They can't do anything other than that. They have four void years on this contract just to make it work Yeah, for Juan which, Thornhill. Which means at that point, he's owed that money regardless. And he's going to get paid whether he's on that roster or not, which means, hey, a reunion could be in the works. And I always like to hold out hope for that. Well, generally speaking, that's going to be – that's not even money that he's owed. That's money that's just – he's already gotten paid. 
and that they've used. Oh, because it's proration. You're right. Right, because it's proration. So he's already gotten paid that money. Good for him. Even better. Because that that gives you that up front, and it's no rest to the player. And again, it allows you a, a disembarkment point from the train that is the Cleveland Browns. So uh, more power to you there, Juan. But there's a lot going on in, in the wide receiver free agent market. It, it looks like it's becoming uh, Lambeau East out in New York. Or I'm sorry, New Jersey. Uh, with the Jets, uh, we're waiting on the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers news. Looks like Lazard's going that way. That's the reason that I bring it up. Um, not that I wanted to sign Cobb or anything, but he's going to go there too. Um, the guys that I think that are out there that are UFAs that I still think are interesting to me are fewer and further behind. But go ahead. What did, what did I trigger there? Uh, Mercedes Lewis is probably going to end up there. I just, <laughs> it's so funny. Aaron complained about not getting weapons in Green Bay, and yet he's bringing all his weapons in Green Bay to. The Jets. Yeah, if they were so bad, what do you still want them for? Quite uh, quite frankly, if that's really going to be what they're going to do, I would be calling the Jets to see if they're willing to trade. Uh, Mims maybe uh, more. I'd look at both of them. I mean, yeah. I mean, you have the, you have the rookie of the year at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. I, I think you got enough ammo there, Aaron, but that's just me. I will say a couple of guys that are still of interest out here, uh, at least to me, and I'm not I'm not trying to go overboard. Uh, Marvin Jones is 33, but I think he could be had for a very, very light contract with some incentives. I could consider that. Um, I'm not really looking at Jarvis Landry myself. That's, that's just me, nothing against him. Um, I was thinking that there were other options. Chark still is at the top of my list in terms of who's available, but I think could come in and do something for the Chiefs. But it's getting thin out there. Does anybody else still kind of stand out to you? No. Uh, I, you, we've heard that they're in on Adam Thielen or that they're at least reaching out and talking to him. We've heard that they're talking to or uh, Odell Beckham Jr. So there's possibilities there as well. Uh, but you look at the list. I mean, there's not really anybody out there that uh, mm-hmm. I feel like is going to step in here and be a huge upgrade. And a lot of these guys are – 29 or 30 years old some of them already been in kansas city uh before and at this point i think that you're probably you know the other guy i was kind of interested in was paris campbell just because i thought maybe uh you know for a i don't think he's necessarily going to be a one but i thought he could be somebody that could come in and help Mm -hmm. uh but it is slim pickings uh and this is a situation where i really do think that maybe they're going to have to draft somebody and they're maybe going to have to make a move to go draft somebody because I just don't see it out there right now. Or or maybe they're going to end up trading for somebody. That's also a possibility. It could be. Um, I I do think that Juju caught them by surprise. It looks like they actually offered more money. I think Juju wants to be the guy and maybe with a a quarterback like Mac Jones, he has an opportunity. You saw saw that they offered more money than – that, that was that was the rumor that I saw, yes, in terms of the way that it breaks down. So I, I find that very intriguing. Um, so I think that caught them off guard, maybe set them off of their path a little bit. So, yes, I agree. A draft wide receiver is certainly in the mix. Um, Thielen, again, I just don't know if he has anything left to offer. So I, I wonder if this is more about the other free agent in OBJ or, or some kind of trade. But I think the winners of this situation overall are – McColl and Justin Watson, because I think you could see either of them return if they can come in for the right contract money. Now, all kidding aside with Juan Thornhill suggesting he go to Cleveland, I don't know that that's smart for McColl. 
I'm I am not convinced that, that offense is going to be able to run even with Deshaun in a second season. So I think his best aspiration is probably to come back. And I would probably say the same thing about Justin Watson. What do you think? Maybe uh, Watson, I could see because it's not going to cost money. I think McColl wants a contract, and he's going to want more than than I think he's probably going to be worth to Kansas City. If he could do what Juju did, he would have already done it in Kansas City with the time that he's been here. He's had the opportunity to do it, and he hasn't stepped up to be that one. I'm not saying he can't be a better wide receiver, but I'm really kind of surprised he hasn't had the market that you would think that he would have. Teams out there don't see – well, I understand, but teams out there are looking, and and I would have thought that they would have at least brought him in, uh, and you would have heard something, but there's nobody even seeming to be talking about the guy right now. Well, not every contract is is breaking down to what the expectation was. That's certainly true for one Orlando Brown Jr. as well. We're going to talk about him and the restructure of Patrick Mahomes here in the next segment. But the madness has begun. Kansas already has a win, so it is fully on right now, folks. It is the best time of year to get into the action. And you can do it right now just by downloading FanDuel. America's number one sports book and get into that action because right now they're giving you a no sweat first bet where you can get back up to $1,000 in bonus bets applied to your account if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. Right now, you can bet everything from money lines, point scores, rebounds, offensive boards, three-pointers, whatever you're looking for. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine those into a bigger chance to win a nicer payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance right now to first – I'm sorry, first bet. No sweat. No sweat. First bet. You can run those however you want to. And they're up to $1,000 in bonus bets applied to your account when you use FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's right over here. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can find out everything over at that address. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA and the NFL. That said, Rock Chalk, just want to get that out there too, but... If you want to check this out, make sure you get subbed, whether it's on uh, YouTube or on any of the podcast platforms, because that's how you get the episodes as soon as they're available. Now, availability yeah. was talk, a big... no, but <laughs> I, I just I got to throw that out there for everybody that I know is not a Rock Talk fan. So, so where are the Shockers? Because North Carolina fans, uh, hey, think it's I'm not saying season. I'm not saying anything about the Shockers. I'm just saying Rock Talk, no. That's all I'm saying. So, anyway, um, people are asking, you know, Orlando Brown was. Rated higher by PFF. Maybe. I still like the Jawan Taylor signing over Brown. Taylor, to me, has better feet. He has the ability to move, and he is going to step in and probably be I, – I don't think that Pro Bowl voting is really fair. Let me put it that way, a fair way to judge a player. And because Brown had four Pro Bowls, a lot of people want to think that he was a better player than I think he really was. Uh, and I liked Orlando Brown. I thought that he could have been a better player, but he didn't seem to improve. He seemed to get worse. And Kansas City was helping him last year, even though he allowed more pressure than he has in previous seasons. True. Um, and let me give you this rebuttal as well. Um, don't even get me started around my soapbox about grades. I'm looking at stats and stats produced, and that is pressures. But if you want to compare the grades, if you actually break it down to pass blocking, Juwan Taylor rated out better than Orlando Brown did. In fact, he was a positive. I believe he was 60-plus except for one ball game, and that was against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, And you know Max Crosby's out there, so I I can give him a pass on one. He has plenty of time and opportunity now to shore up his game against Max. So I think that that is coming. But, yes, 
bottom line is the Chiefs. And had, he had a different. Sorry, I just want to point out one more thing. He had a different O line coach, I think, for the past three seasons. That is an issue too. Continuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you start talking about, well, yeah, he will, but he's going to be in Kansas City. Andy Hex is going to be in Kansas City for a while. We imagine, unless he retires, which I can't see happening. So. He's going to be in a stable environment. That is going to be very important, and I think he's going to continue to develop and get better. And I like what you said about the pass blocking because that is absolutely where I'm going with that. He's not a great run blocker, but I also think that that's more of a will thing than it really is a skill thing, whereas pass blocking is all about your feet. And Taylor has much better feet. Agreed, and it is about a mentality as well. Um, Travis Etienne had a nice season as a running back, as did Pacheco. I think it's about style and application of your strengths. And this is the bottom line. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. <clears throat> Apologies there. Juwan Taylor, not Taylor Lewan, because I almost said it that way. Uh, and this will take me a couple of weeks, folks. I will get this right. But Juwan has the feet to run zone blocking much better than Orlando Brown did. He doesn't have the strength that Orlando had to run power. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at more outside zone, which we know Andy loves to run. And we're looking at when they run power, it's more likely Trey Smith on the move than it is Juwan Taylor. That's a systemic change. That's not a philosophical change. They can still run power. They can still run wham. They can run anything they want inside. It's just pulling a different guy. It's a little bit different design, and it's a little bit different timing, but it can still work. This is a big negative for me as a guy that wants to see the balance that we saw in the Super Bowl and have something close to a 40, 45% run call, this is going to hurt my chances. But for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and nearly everyone else in Chiefs Kingdom who's just looking to throw the ball around, Juan Taylor's an upgrade in what they want to do. Absolutely. And I think when you start looking at what they were able to do, Orlando Brown got a contract, and quite frankly, his contract that Kansas City offered him last year was more money than he got this year. Signing bonus was the exact same, but he was offered more in APY last year than he was offered this year. Yes, his guarantees are going to kick in earlier, and yes, he'll get end up getting uh, maybe more money quicker, but they were giving him a five-year deal last year, I believe. No, a six-year deal last year. Uh, they gave him a four-year deal in Cincinnati, and he took the four-year deal in Cincinnati for less APY. Uh, Significantly less. Yeah. And nowhere I mean, that's near a five what million dollar per year deduction from what the Chiefs were reportedly offering, let alone the seven well, mil under what he was supposedly asking for. To be fair, and I, I do want to say this: to be fair, I don't think you can really take into account the twenty three APY that they offered because it was like forty five million the last year. So if you take that no, year no, out, it was eighteen point two. I I was <laughs> averaging it down to two twenty one. That, that's where I was getting that number. He was asking for twenty three. But even at twenty one, well, they got him. They got him twenty. They got him twenty three point one with the last year of the contract. He was at twenty three point one for the entire term of the contract. Right. But over five years, it was eighteen point two. So if you look at it in that regard, he still took less money in APY, almost a, a million and a half less in money in APY to go play for Cincinnati. And and, and that's my thought process as well. Um, you say you want to be this. You say you want to be that. This comes down to one thing for me. You took way less money. You could have stayed where you were and taken that amount. They would have had you back. As I oh, understand it, the Chiefs would've... were comfortable at that number. They, like I they said, definitely would have had him back for that. And, and he took less than even I said. I said 18 was my goal for him two weeks ago. He took less than that. So it easily could have been done. Here's the problem. 
He wasn't playing well enough and giving up too much pressure on the left-hand side, and the Bengals are going to let him play there, and the Chiefs weren't. That's what this tells me. You don't agree, evidently. <laughs> I, I don't know that I would say that because I think Kansas City was going to let him play left tackle if they would have kept him here. Um, I think they would have made it work. The reality, though, is, is, is Kansas City has Taylor. If he ends up being their left tackle, I think he's going to be playing better than Brown. And the bigger thing that people are not don't seem to understand at times or just are not taking into account is part of what caused Kansas City struggles at times on offense was the fact that they had to chip and help both of their tackles. That means less people out in the routes or fewer people out in the routes as quick as they possibly could be. If you take that away, that need away, or at least heavily reduce it, this offense has the opportunity to move the ball quicker and be more even, be even more efficient than it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. It all comes down to fit, finish, and how you're going to move forward. And I, I think by getting with Patrick and getting what I thought was um, a little surprised to not take a bigger chunk, it was just $12 million that they restructured. Again, so that's protecting against kicking it down the road that you're going to have to pay it out in bulk or some kind of dead cap number when you go to like maybe tear up this contract and start another one rather than just extending it. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I, I do appreciate that everybody has questions about that. And, and shout out to uh, to Angry German and Scuba Steve and Alex and Doug and Dre and uh, Terry's here. I mean, I know everybody's been in. Doug's been in for a while. Daryl, nice to see you. Alex Bloke. Uh, I'm glad to see you guys. I know you all have questions. We're going to answer those uh, as best we can right now, because I think this was, again, the, the five-year plan in not taking a bigger chunk of Patrick's roster bonus right now in order to ch- get that change. It's just enough to get by, it feels like to me. It's enough to get by. It's enough to sign their draft class. Their draft class is only going to cost them $2.7 million against the cap. Uh, it's enough to get them to a point where um, they have operating money if they need it. But the more important thing is, is this had to be done now. And when you look at what they kicked down the road, they only kicked less than $2.5 million a year down the road per year over the next four years. Or, well, over five years because 2023 plus the next four. Mm -hmm. To me, that's chump change. And for QB contracts and what the salary cap is going to go up, it's not going to matter. His numbers were going to be high regardless. That 2.4, you're not even really going to feel it. The bigger key here to me is they still have options available that they haven't touched if they needed to go get mo- more money. And, and the way, I said this last night on the on the short that I did. I don't think that this was a move to get them cap space to be able to sign their draft class and be able to operate. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, if that's what they're wanting, you restructure Joe Tooney, you restructure Travis Kelsey, you restructure – you can even restructure Patrick Mahomes' salary. That's mm-hmm. the thing that people are leaving out of this. You could still restructure Patrick Mahomes' salary and get a couple more million dollars free. You could get a lot of money from Travis Kelsey. You get some money from, you know, Joe Tooney. You could do the same with Justin Reed and and MBS. There are several guys you could do restructures on their salaries at any time, and that's and you're going to be in a good situation. So, I think that this was a move to free up money to be able to sign more people as opposed to just free up money to be able to get by. I could be wrong, and there it's also possible that one of the moves that they're trying to make isn't going to get done because somebody outbids them. Because I guarantee you Brett Veach has a 
set amount that he's going to go sign people for based on what he thinks their value is. And what Odell Beckham Jr. is asking for is $20 million. That's what people have been saying. Kansas City's not paying that. No. I'll, I'll give you 11 or 12 and a ring. How's that, Odell? Take it. I dare you. I'd give, it, I'd give him eight with incentives to get him to 15. Yeah. I mean, I... I mean, does let's he be real. Chase, does he want to chase a ring or does he want to does he want to go and make as much money as he can? And I'm not trying to fault players for wanting to make as much money as they can. I completely get that they need to to maximize their earnings. But the question with Odell and guys that are his age is is it about legacy or is it about money? Yes, you need to set your family up, but are you caring about your legacy or are you caring about your paycheck? Yeah. And, and that's and what if you want to play in Kansas City. If you want to play in Kansas City, it, you got to be chasing your legacy. And that means that there could be a trade in there. It could be uh, they could be looking at D Hop. They could be looking at Odell. And just because Odell asked for twenty, doesn't mean anybody's going to give it to him. Let's be real. He's thirty-two years old, coming off of an ACL. There's a high doubt variability there that someone's going to give him twenty per annum. I think that's just crazy. So it's one thing to ask. It's another thing to put that all together. And it is a combination of salary stability opportunity and target share and a chance at another championship for him. I think that the, the shift of gears is that he's got a ring. That's a little bit different than everybody else. So uh, maybe it's D hop. I know uh yeah, farm camp is thinking that as well. Yeah. But the thing on Odell, again, I go back to, does he want to chase legacy? One ring is great. Two would be better. What, what are you trying to leave? What's your legacy you want to try to leave on the NFL? Are you trying to get to a point where you could possibly be considered for the Hall of Fame in the future? A second ring is going to get you a lot closer to that than, than going to play. A second ring with a second team in particular, absolutely. Right, right. And if you go to Baltimore, I don't think you have that opportunity. If you go to Dallas, I don't think you have that opportunity. Dallas right. might be a better opportunity than Baltimore, quite frankly, because Dallas isn't going to have the QBs to go against in the NFC that you're going to be dealing with in the AFC. There is that. I mean, that, that's a significant change, too. And who knows? Maybe Lamar's not even in Baltimore. So that's a significant factor for Odell as well. But we'll let you know what happens when we know what happens. I do think something else is brewing. And we'd like your opinion. Leave it in the YouTube comments. Leave it in the Spotify reviews. Leave it in the Apple reviews because you can get us anywhere. But go now and subscribe here on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms because that is where you get the latest episode, no matter when we do it, a live like tonight, and we're doing a lot of these in free agency. Maybe it's a short on some breaking news, and maybe it's your daily dose of Chiefs news that we always bring you. What else you got? And tell, tell me what you think about the shorts that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Been trying to get those out as po- as quickly as I possibly could once news is broke. Uh, just a quick short update on what's going on and what I think about it. So let us know what you think on those shorts. Uh, really appreciate it. Seems like we're getting some pretty good feedback on them so far, but let me, let us know about those as well. You guys get ready. This there's more. We're doing a mock draft for Monday. We will be prepared for that. There'll be the weekend's activities. Who knows who else will sign and, you know, go support your friendly neighborhood Jayhawks. You all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time.